you see, Roger was trying to give you a good turn. And uh, I think he implemented it really well. Oh my goodness, it's going to be that kind of a day. Actually, our topic for today is giving a good turn. And how do you give good turns. Let me open with a word of prayer and let's get right into it. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us a good turn, that you are a God who sets the template even uh, for generosity, for, for being good. And so, Lord, I pray that today you'd help us to catch a glimpse of that and to really um, dig deep despite our uh, own kind of nervousness or our, our, our shortcomings, Lord, I pray that you would help us to lean in um, as we work out how we can give really good turns. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, we're in our series uh, on Proverbs. We're actually focusing on Proverbs 31. Uh, which is about, um, you know, wisdom embodied, right? So the Proverbs 31 uh, woman in uh, starts at verse 10 really is about ha having wisdom as your life partner, as your wife, living your life side by side committed to wisdom. And then these are the things that, that wisdom... Um, provides as as you share life with wisdom right um that's why it begins with like this uh, 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 a wife of noble character who can find and and talking about wisdom right um today our key verse is actually this which is right after um verse 10 and it goes the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She, in turn, so the husband, trusts her. And then she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. You know, the, the series is called, um, it's on Proverbs, but the tagline is like, it's just what I do. It's just what I do. Because Proverbs, you know, we were talking last week, is really a lot of miscellaneous things that we kind of do in our life. So you read through the book of Proverbs, it's got like tips for life. It's probably a, a good summary of the book of Proverbs, right? And, and the, the point of Proverbs, by the time you get to 31, is that, hey, the things that you do, which is why, you know, that beginning address from King Lemuel says, hey, watch what you're doing, son. What are you doing? What are you doing? The things that you do somehow over time shape who you become. Or an easy way to think about it is your characteristics, the kind of quirks that you have, the characteristics that kind of, they become over time your character. Yeah? And so wisdom living beside you is then able to shape Every decision you make, is this a wise decision? Is this a foolish decision? Is this wise? Am I being wise? Am I being foolish? Over time, wisdom can shape you and mold you into her character, God's character. All right? Now, again, we're not talking about, like, core theology and salvation. Like, it's fine. Like, faith in Jesus Christ is absolutely essential in life. And we're not talking technically in the justification category, right? We're talking about 
after you are following God, which is why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? So after you're following God, what do you, what do, you do? Do you live a foolish life? Do you just do whatever? No, no, because if you can partner with wisdom, it will go well with you. All right? Today, um, uh, this passage, it highlights this dual relationship between two people. All right? It... Um, you notice something in this text. There's a great partnership going on. It's not just one-sided, right? The heart of the husband trusts in her, or, or in the language that I'm going to use today, he gives a good turn, and she does him good. It's two ways. In fact, that's the main topic today. The Greek word for the thing that we're talking about today is alalon, and it means one another. It's actually found all through Scripture. Uh, but before I get to that, and we're going to go into some of the Bible verses that, that talk about it. It's all over Scripture. I find that most people, when it, the Bible says love one another, bear with one another, be generous to one another, forgive one another, whatever the Bible's instructions are, that then have the word one another in it, of which there's a lot. Yep. Most of us, we would kind of agree, yeah, you know what? I married this woman. We probably should love one another. Love one another, probably a good thing to do in our marriage. But the reality of it is that when it comes to living out our lives, you know, um, working out this one another, practically, my goodness, it's hard. We come against these roadblocks. And so today, most of the message is going to be aimed at being really practical. If I could help it, we're going to try, try to make this as practical as we possibly can. Because my heart for us as a church is that we learn to do one another well. Not just learn the concept of one another. Which I'm pretty certain if we were to go around this room, everybody would just agree with. That we are supposed to love one another. It's, it's one of the top two commandments, you know, that are there. So we're not really going to debate so much about whether we should do one another well. The real question is, how do we do that well? Because there's really a problem that affects all relationships, and it's been getting worse and worse in our generation. Arguably, we are, we are living now in some of the most divisive times in world history. And you might think, oh, no, 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 no. I've, I don't know who here has, but, you know, I sat uh, on Thursday, I sat next to somebody who lived through the world wars, you know, oh, very, very, very young, like, right? But lived through the world wars. Like, you're thinking, oh my goodness, we have definitely been more divided in global history before. But I'll tell you now, we've never been more divided. Because you are able right now to cut your life, the aspects of your life, down to such granularity that almost every single person on your phone gets a different information source. We are now able to segment into such small areas of nuances of differentiation that in history, in the history of mankind, it only used to be these big blocks 
I'm on the left, I'm on the right. I, I'm a gamer. Well, actually, back in the days, I don't even know if they had gamers, you know? Like, but you're able to have so many cultures and then subcultures underneath that. And so we have got way more options now than we've ever before. Uh, I, I like what one researcher calls it. He, he uses as an analogy the move that we have um, gone to as humanity from public screens to private screens. So it used to be even before screens, so before screens, it was definitely more public. Everybody looked out and we all saw the same trees or we saw the same sky or whatever it is, right? Then we came, then came the screens to our homes. And if you were like me or older, you remember growing up and, you know, like you go visit your grandparents' house and everybody's just watching Astro or some like TV. But everybody's like, there's just like one TV screen. Right? It's showing a channel. I remember going up, growing up, right? We would have a TV in the living room, right? One, one screen in our whole house. And whether you were watching it or not, you kind of saw that. How many screens are there in your house today? Don't answer the question, but there's a lot. I guarantee you, there's a lot. And now, the screens that we have got, they are not public screens. Because does everybody see everything that's on your screen? Would, would all the teenagers please pass their phone to their parents right now and just go, hey, it's a public screen? No, no, because what is happening in our world today is that the way we consume is more and more private. It's more and more customized. Correct? You know, how much... I don't know if you know this, but post-COVID, it's even gotten worse. So they're saying that, the, and only research is just coming out now. So we're only starting to see research papers over COVID. But they're saying something like screen time is doubling, doubling from pre-COVID. Because everybody's gotten used to just a little bit more watching of TV or checking their phone or, or, or doing remote. So you'd used to go into the office and meet people and chat, but now you're on a screen on Zoom, working from home, right? So screen time, like maybe it's not doubled, but nobody can argue it's going down. And these are private screens. In fact, the global average, which I'm pretty sure is wrong, because this is 2020 data, is that the global average is seven hours of screen time a day. And on your mobile phone, your average screen time is three hours and 16 minutes. And you can right now on your phone, you can check what your daily average is. Right now you can go, this is how much every day I'm looking at a screen that is customized for me. At a screen that gives me information, fills me up. You can right now, you can look at it. I looked at it this, just this morning. I'll be truthful with you. Mine says three hours, 18 minutes. I'm two minutes above the global average. <laughs> you know? But that's mine. I'm, I'm happy to be honest. Let's have a real conversation today. Because what's happening is more and more of us are turning to different sources of information. So different. It means the person sitting next to you is actually continually getting a different feed, a different screen, a different input from you. So then... When you talk, 
when you try to communicate with the other person, instead of having shared things that you can understand, hey, when I talk about something, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, you know, right? We all universally agree that orange chicken is terrible and panda, but there exists bubbles, you know, bubbles of people who just like are deluded, right? And then they like, they, they, they're just fixated sort of on one thing. Um, I think what happens is because we're all having our own influences, we're having more than ever actually to fill in the blanks. That means I don't actually know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in the teenager's life, but I can, get a, I can guess. I can guess what Josh's life is like, right? Permed his hair, really cool, cool hoodie, right? I'm like, I just imagine what it's like, but I actually don't know. I actually don't know. And so then when I interact with him, I've got to fill in these gaps. Then we have conversations. I'll say something. He'll misinterpret it sometimes. You know why? Because he's got this amazing, rich life that I know nothing of. And I've got this life with my own mindsets, with the things that I'm feeding on. And so I'll say something that I think is really neutral, and he'll misinterpret. So if I want to give Josh a good turn which we're talking about giving a good turn today, right? I might try and give him a good turn, and he might receive it as, oh, like, thanks, but no thanks. It's like when I um, go back to Malaysia, and then they're like, I'm really simple with food, right? And then my relatives take me out for these really fancy Asian dinners that we're driving one and a half hours to get like, oh my goodness, just, let's just drive through Macca's and I'll be fine, like whatever. But they're trying to give me a really good turn they're trying to give me a really good turn. And then it's like, ah, okay. Anyway, it's fine. Because I've now come to appreciate really good food. Um, so, for instance, I know for a fact that all of us here, with probably the exception of Julian, yep, all of us here went through mostly the very harsh COVID lockdown period. Brisbane had a party, right? Um, what is amazing is even though we all went through the same lockdown period because we had private screens, because we had different experiences locked in our home, as a pastor, I have now spoken to people post-COVID and I literally meet some people and they go, I don't know what all the fuss in the news is about COVID this, COVID that, post-COVID depression. It was, it was fine. We were just in our house. Actually, I kind of liked it. Nobody disturbed me. We're all pretty, pretty good, right? Like, what's the big deal anyway? I, I literally talk to people who say that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I talk to people who go, I'm never going to get these two years of my life back again. I've missed out on this. This was my first year of uni. Or I talked to some parents and their children have hit the crucial development years of when they're supposed to learn reading or, or enter school or whatever. And they missed that period and the parents are grieving that. And so we've all had the same one shared experience, but the context in each is so different. And it's making, to be really honest, it's affecting communication. So it makes it hard for us to communicate across the boundary. The way we interact with each other is harder because we usually rely on shared experience when we try to communicate. That's why I find the Bible is so compelling. The Bible is actually pretty spectacular. Can you imagine writing a bunch of text and then have it relevant 
and connected to the human experience, the common human experience between you and somebody living a thousand years ago. That's the stuff that the Bible is talking about. That's why it's like, whether you're a Christian or not, that's why it's world class. Because you can now read something and there's a shared experience. Humanity is our shared experience. That's why when you read Paul and he says uh, in Romans 7, 15 to 20, yep, there is something wrong with me. All have sinned, right? But there's something wrong with me. I want to do good things, but something in me is broken. And he writes that, and we all read it, even as Christians, even as people who are trying to do the right thing. Whatever walk of life we're in, we go, oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, that's kind of true. And I have a shared experience of that in my own life, of the standards that I make up for myself. I fall short of my own standards even, right? And Paul has done that. And so he's able to communicate across thousands of years because there's that shared thing, shared truth that we have. So how we inherently communicate uh, is reliant on that shared experience. But if we increasingly have different experiences, it makes communication harder. And communication wouldn't be that bad. Like lack of communication wouldn't be that bad, except that communication affects trust. So if I can't communicate with you, if everything I say you misinterpret, that means everything I say to you is received the wrong way, we, I can't trust you. I can't trust that you're going to actually get the message correct. I can't trust that, you're, you, that your intentions are good. We are unable to form good trust practices. If we cannot develop healthy, trusting relationships, we are unable to do one another. Which means, how can you be patient one another? And other versions of the Bible says one to another. So one another is one to another, right? How can you be patient one to... I can be patient to you, but I can't trust that you will be patient back to me. So automatically, we're not doing one another, right? It's just me being patient. Bearing with one another, kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, building each other up, encouraging one another, being devoted to one another, honoring one another, living in harmony with one another, serving one another. How are you going to do the one another's or what was in that Bible verse, that the husband trusts the wife and the wife um, does him good, if trust isn't there, if communication has somehow broken down. In fact, the, the most common one another in the Bible is love one another, right? Uh, it's 16 times in the Bible. So let me put it in plain English, what alone kind of means. Uh, there's a lot of Greek translations out there. Basically, I do something to you, you do something to me. Right? So I love you, you love me. I'm patient with you, you're patient with me. One to another. One another. 
Okay? The whole concept of Allah alone does not exist on one side. You cannot understand one another as, oh, this is something I will do and then just whatever. It's a community message. It's written, the you is a plural you in the Greek. So it's a commandment to us as a community. So I do something to you, at least you'd imagine that it would start off pretty good, right? I mean, I, let's just begin with, hey, I want to do something good for you. But then maybe you don't reciprocate. So I'm like, hey, hey I'm going to be patient and kind with you. But you're like, oh, man, I don't have energy to be patient and kind back with you, right? Um, so, so, then, so then you're not getting that, that patient and kindness back to the person. What happens the next time for you? I know what happens the next time for you. You're going to be less patient and kind with that person. Because you're like, my goodness, this person hasn't figured out what one another looks like. And so you go down. And so then over time, it becomes this dynamic and your relationship devolves. And it wouldn't even be so bad if it was stuck in that specific relationship. Well, the problem is that we leak as human beings. So even if you've got a good relationship, like Mike and I, let's say we really have got a good vibe going, right? And, and like he encourages me, I encourage him, and we're really good, right? The problem is that we leak. And so maybe somebody treats me bad at work. Or I've had a really terrible day or something's going really bad in my family. And so now I'm not so patient and kind. And so then Mike goes, hey, I know our thing. I'll be patient and kind to you. And I'll be like, ah, forget it, Mike. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> it has nothing to do with Mike at all, actually. But now I'm not patient and kind to Mike. What happens with Mike the next time? Maybe he's less patient and kind with me. Oh, no. What happened? What happened to this dynamic? And so I think it's something that we've always got to watch out. Yep. Um, it, because it repeats 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times in our life, depending on the kinds of relationships we are in. Yep. And so then, if it repeats a lot, unchecked, unchecked in our life, we can get to a stage where instead of beginning our interaction with, hey, I want to do something really good for you and I want to give you a good turn, you actually begin now with, hey, how about I just start off half-baked? I'll just start a tennis because I don't really know if you're into this whole love one another thing. And then it's your wife. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's literally how this thing can go. So today is going to be this like practical pastoral wisdom. I'm trying to help you with your relationships post-COVID because I think that's a real issue that we're going to deal with, right? And then we're going to end with like a theological thing. I think we'll go till about like 40, 45, right? Um, and we're going to be looking at this concept of alalon, one another. How do we do one another relationships um, that end up defining our relationships? These one another interactions, over time, they end up becoming our culture. So if we treat one another badly over time, treat one another 
badly over time, you'll end up with a bad relationship. It's not rocket science. But the opposite is also true. That if you treat one another, the two of you learn how to do, or in whatever relationship you're in, if you treat one another well consistently over time, you do the things that the Bible talks about. You're patient and kind to one another. You honor one another. You serve one another. You actually shape the culture of your marriage, your home, and even this church. So that's why I think it's so crucial for us. Uh, you have many things to talk about, but I found the most powerful way to simplify it for us in practical ways is to learn how to give a good turn. Alalon involves one another. There's a natural cadence to Alalon, which means that it's one, then another. One, then another. You, you can't all talk at the same time. Nobody can talk at the same time and really have a meaningful conversation. So the way the natural cadence of life goes is one person talks and then the other person talks. So everybody cannot have good turns all together. Right? So I want to zoom in on this dynamic where when it comes to giving turns, right, you can't trust the other person to give you a good turn. Or you haven't learned to appreciate the differences in the other person so you think whatever their turn they're going to give you is, is terrible. What happens is people then over time, because they get jaded this way, everything in their life trends to this, what I'm going to call a bland gray. Yep. So imagine your wife likes romantic movies, really long, boring, romantic, artsy, like romantic movies where like there's melodrama everywhere, drama, drama, right? And you're like, she really loves that. But you, just randomly, like kung fu movies, which are so cool. You don't even have to think much about it. It's like, oh my goodness, it's not complicated at all. You know, a guy comes in, oh, there's 200 bad guys, no worries. And then you just, right? And so then you're having this conversation, but you don't know who's getting a good turn. So if you go to the romantic movie, you feel like you're losing. And if, if you end up going to the kung fu movie, she feels like she's losing. So you decide, hey, you know what? Uh, we're just going to watch Avengers or we're just going to watch some like big blockbuster movie that has a little bit of romance, but the romance is pathetic. And then the action is not really like real kung fu action, right? You know, whatever. And then you're like, just middle of the road. Or if you're a church, you're like, oh man, I cannot make everybody happy with worship at church. So the only song we can sing is 10,000 Reasons. 10,000 Reasons. Because, yeah, you know, like, everybody likes 10,000 Reasons. And then that's it. But instead at FGA, you've seen us try to implement good turns where we could have from Uncle Alan or an older generation worship leader who will lead in their style and we just go, hey, you know what? We're going to give him a good turn. He genuinely loves the Lord and we're going to practice what a good turn looks like. And then we'll have young guys and then like the demand for earplugs goes up, right? And we're like, hey, you know what? We're just going to give them a good turn. And it makes life richer, but it also sets the cycle of us honoring one another, serving one another, loving one another well, instead of what I would call half-baked turns, which are like the worst. Yeah, half-baked turns. Both parties are 
unsatisfied. They feel misunderstood. You can't really celebrate the other person because you actually thought that their movie was pathetic anyway, right? And so you're just like, ah, whatever, I'll come with you to the thing and then I'll just be on my phone through the whole movie. And so then what happens with the half-baked turn is you end up wanting more. You're not happy with the turn you got because we're like half-baked. So you're demanding more things. And then a cycle happens where you go, you didn't give me a good turn. So this is what a good turn looks like. I'm going to just take it. I'm going. You got the kids. I'm out. <laughs> That's it. Because I need a good turn. I deserve it. Oh my goodness. You wouldn't believe the week I had. Uh, Pastor Chris preached this message about good turn. Yep. And apparently I'm just meant to take my good turn. Yeah, it's called take a good turn, not give a good turn. <laughs> and that's it. And then a cycle starts where it's lose-lose because you've got then in your marriage or in your family or in your church, everybody has to look out for themselves because they can't trust the other person to look out for them. That's not a great cycle. That's not what's in view. That's not what wisdom is talking about. That's not what the Bible has. Instead, giving a good turn is very different. In fact, I would go almost as far as to saying in today's day and age, giving a good turn should be defined as giving a very good turn. Because we're more impatient nowadays. So our version of giving a good turn is like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to let my wife do her thing for like six months. Six months is very long. It's like a large part of my marriage. But it's not. It's not. In my marriage, there was a period of 15 years where my wife gave me a good turn. In big picture level. And then now, in the post-15 years, I feel like, hey, I'm returning that favor. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, right. So here's the thing. I'm going to get my wife up. I'm going to get my wife up. We're going to do a quick interview and illustration because I understand that, you know, we can have like conceptual things, right? And obviously I can say our marriage is amazing, right? Which it is, which is very amazing, right? Um, but we need to get into the details because giving a person a good turn is not the same. It's just letting them do whatever they want to do. That's not giving a good turn. Giving a good turn means you're having that same shared experience. You're going to the other side, you're doing it together. Whatever that turn is. Yep. Now, I need to also preface it by we are talking about how do we set normative behaviors or the norm in our lives, in our church, in our relationships, in our family. Okay, There are actual situations where there are abusive relationships. There are actual situations where it's actually really, really, really harmful and, and different things need to be done. That's, this is not the sermon for that. Okay, This is the sermon for if you're raising a family, if you're starting a ministry in the church, you're growing up in the church, whatever the thing is, you're trying to set a norm. Hopefully the norm is that each of you love one another, serve one another, right? But I understand that there are instances where there needs to be boundaries and, and we need to do other things. But we're just talking about the norm here. Okay, so here's, a, here's how the whole conversation kind of came up, right? Okay, high level, now let's go down to every day. So we've been married about 24 years, right? 20, almost 25. Okay, 24-ish. 
Okay. Closer to 25. Yep. And so, and then we've been dating for two, right? And a half, right? Okay. And so you'd imagine that we've worked out our communication, right? But here's like, our brains are just wired differently. I just remember just the other day, right? Man wanted, uh, we had some leftover like fizzy drinks in the fridge, right? So man said, oh, I feel like a, a soda, right? So she pulls out a soda from the fridge and she says, oh, I don't think I can finish the whole bottle. And I'm like, I'll help you with that. I will drink. So then... You said you share. Okay, I will share. I will share that bottle, right? So then... I grab the bottle and I take a really large glass from, from our, our, our drawer, right? I'm like, okay, great. And then as I'm walking to, to the dining table, man says, oh, I don't like large glasses. I prefer a small glass. I'm like, okay, fine, give you a good turn. So I change the glass, which apparently is very important, to a small glass, really small glass. It doesn't fit the whole thing. So then we sit down, I pour her the drink. She's drinking this soda. She's, she specially mixed, you know, for, to, to get the, the, the right kind of flavor, right? Anyway, she's drinking the drink. We're eating dinner. And I'm drinking from the same cup, right? Because we're like, we're sharing this thing. That's why I got the large cup, but now change to the small cup. And then <laughs> she says to me, what are you doing? Why are you drinking all of my drink? And I'm like... No, because when he said share, right, the bottle is quite big. So I wanted a small cup and I've taken my portion. I've got mine, we're sharing. But then the, 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 the half of the, of the bottle with the content is still there. That, that's his. So I was wondering, why are you taking from my cup? Because we're but sharing. But I only took one cup. And but we were going to share it. Okay, so anyway, I'm sure you understand. I'm sure you understand the epic dilemma that, right? Okay. And but that happens almost in like goodness. 80% of our interactions. No, <laughs> yeah. so I'm serious. You can chat yes. with Rachel, we chat with Nikki, yes. and they're like. Because I explain things clearly, and oh. it's just received wrongly. No, because you said, did you see the slide that he put on just now? I do to you, I do you too, you do to me. Yeah, you explain things clearly. <laughs> <laughs> details, details. Okay, okay. It, it keeps distracting me, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta work on the slides. All right, so, so here's another example. Okay, so here's another example. I was. So I want to sort of take you inside the behind-the-scenes kind of picture, right? Okay, as most of you know, uh, if you've been at FJ for a while, I have regular games nights on Sunday night at my house. I've actually had it for 24 years. And surprisingly, we're playing the same game which started 24 years ago, StarCraft. Yep. Which now, some of the people playing this game, StarCraft, are not even 24 years old, which is like the weirdest thing. Okay. Anyway, I can't tell you, uh, firstly, how fun that is and what a great source of joy uh, it's been. But I actually get very often, because of the nature of being a gaming pastor or whatever it is, regularly I'll have counseling sessions with couples. And they'll come in and go, oh man. And it's usually the wife. 
oh man, you got to speak to my husband. He's gaming all the time. Oh, it's like really, it's really bad, you know. Uh, or his sports or his hobby or something like, oh, it's really terrible, you know. Uh, especially in our church, I, 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 I get a lot, a lot, right. But the reality is those nights are actually really fun for me. They're really they're really great. And I, I feel like my wife has given me a really good turn. Even in the early years, um, she's even like cooked food for some of the guys that have come over. And then like host uh, uh, the new guys, you're all dodged. <laughs> no food for you, right? I'm, so, I'm a lot busier. <laughs> okay. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I want everybody to sort of understand what's going on in your head, man. Like how is it that you can be married to a guy who's a pastor, right? And then like somehow feel like it's okay to give like a really good turn in something like very trivial, like computer games? Um, I think the foundational um, thing that, that really helps support that in my mind is that, um, you know, when we do premarital counseling, one of the things we always bring up is whatever that's important to him is important to me. Now, even when there is not an actual fact, so obviously computer games is not, is important to him, but clearly it's not that important to me. But I can make a decision to go, okay, whatever is important to him, I make it important to me. So same with Disney, right? Like for the first- Is that why you're wearing oh. it? Oh my goodness. That is so cool. No, this is not planned. Oh my goodness, way to go. <laughs> Sermon subtext. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to like throw your train of thought. Uh, okay. Yeah, so with that uh, principle in mind, um, I feel like, yeah, so because it's important to him and I, I make a decision for it to be important to me, then it makes me being able to then support him. And also, I find that um, to give a full good turn, which then includes in the early, like maybe first 10 years, um, the people who come to play games, you know, to make it even better for him and them. Like I said, we would serve uh, food, we would cook supper um, for all the, all the guys. Um, it's because I feel like if I've already kind of like expanded the turn, yep. given a good turn, might as well make it really good instead of the half-baked, like what Chris was describing um, just now. That's so powerful. And that's a real big step of faith, actually. So it requires a fair amount of trust. And so um, uh, sometimes people, they only see the one half of it, right? So I'm going to talk about the other half, right? So it's, they, they go, oh, wow, it's so good. My goodness, it's so good that your wife lets you play computer games. Why isn't my wife like that or whatever it is, right? But that's not one another because what's happened is we've developed a culture in our home where it's not just Mayan who's giving me a good turn. So I have now realized that she's giving me a good turn. She's done it for two decades, right? And so I, I try to then give a good turn in return. Like one good turn deserves another. So I make sure the house is cleared, right? My games night sits in a proper place of priority. In fact, tonight's game night is canceled. I'll put it in the chat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's, it's adequately prioritized, right? I try and repay her good turn with another because I know how important it is to build a positive cycle in my own marriage. Yeah, so I don't go with, with this dynamic. I don't go, hey, thank you for the good turn. Uh, here are all the things that are wrong with the turn that you just gave me. Also, it's not so simplistic because there sure. are things that they will go through my mind, things like, 
oh, you know what? Like, we, we've been so busy. Why is it that every Sunday you, you want to play games? Right? And then sometimes I would feel like, oh, hang on. Why is he prefer to spend his Sunday night with the boys, with his gaming boys, than with the family? So all those thoughts actually do come through my head. And then it's what I do, I guess, with the thoughts, with That's those right. thoughts that come through. And it's, it's about intentionally making a decision to go, no, 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 this is giving a good turn. Yeah. In yeah. a committed, loving relationship that is Christ-centered. Yeah. Okay, so what does it look like on your side? What does me giving you a good turn look like? Um, okay, okay. Be, uh, prepare to be blown away. Okay. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> um, I'm, like, honestly, Chris has been, I know he said in the first 15 years, I gave him, like, good turn and now he's, it, it doesn't, it's like back and forth, back and forth. It's not just like one 15 sure. year period and then, sure. um, oh, sorry. And um, well, I'll share one that's most recent. So in the last two years, like Chris and I, we, the way we hear from God, they're very different because we are both very differently gifted. And in the last two years, um, I, like God has been speaking to me more through dreams and vision. And I want to bring Chris along in that journey. So I remember when I first started sharing with him some of these dreams, right? But I would share it before um, I had time for interpretation or application. I just have a dream and I just like tell it to Chris, right? And then Chris was like, look at me puzzled, like confused, frustrated even. And he's like, what's the one line? <laughs> yeah, because you know what those dreams, I don't know if you ever know what these dreams are like. They're like, and there was a door, there were 23 windows. Each window was a different color. And on the third window, there was a crown. And on the seventh window, there was a... Okay, 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 there's this, there's this, there's this. Like, what? what's the one line? I know there's like uh, something there. I know, I know he was frustrated, but that even frustrate me because I was like, one line, I'm not your staff. <laughs> I'm not sure our staff team even goes there as well. <laughs> okay, anyway, so, yes. Um, so anyway, right, but he gave me a really good turn because this despite it not his cup of tea at all, um, and all the frustration, all the, confuse, and all the, all the confusion, um, he would hold that intention. He would like wait, and then he would um, allow me to take my time and explain the symbols, what, what I, I believe the Lord is saying. Um, hey. And then journey with me. And then, and then he read some of the books. Yep on prophetic languages, so that then he can skill up. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Jono, I talked to Jono. My goodness, Jono. Uh, what does this prophetic world really look like, right? And um, I actually grew from it. I, I thought it was like so amazing, actually. So it opened up a side that I, I always knew was there, but never really entered into until I was trying with the best of my ability and actually failing half the time, right, um, to, to give my wife a good turn. I think what is really key in giving the good turn, especially in that um, situation, is that, you know, it's easy to give each other good turn when they've taken their turn for, for this 
instance, right? If I received something prophetically and I say, oh, I feel this is what God is, is saying and it's right every single time, over the course two years, it would have been easy for him then to keep giving me a good turn. But then I have misinterpreted it sometimes, okay. yep. right? So then even when I'm taking him along the journey and I've got, this is what I feel God is saying, and then later on we found out, oh, you know, that, that is a wrong interpretation. But even when I'm making mistakes, he would still give me a good turn. He would, have, he would give me the space to, to fail, to make mistakes, and then to course correct, and still will not hold me against that. Instead of like, like you were like, oh, you, you got it wrong the last time. This one, I'm not, I'm not so sure. But it wasn't like that at all. So I think that is, um, that, that, that's really precious. Awesome. Yeah, and I hope, husbands, I hope you're really hearing this because uh, I gave man like a free topic of things that she could just pick up, right? And she picked the thing that she feels like I'm really supporting her in the area that I don't understand, but giving her the, the good turn of listening, journeying through with her, uh, through these ups and downs. And so then she had a husband who she feels like she can take along in that uh, journey. In fact, it's... Oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. But if you want to throw... Okay, yes, on, yes, yes. No, so on that note, giving a good turn, I would... Make a request yeah, okay, that good. you, like all of you, give prayer ministry <laughs> a good turn. <laughs> um, in the last two, three weeks, and also at the overnight prayer meeting, God has really placed a burden in my heart to pray for um, children, um, like teens, young adults, adults who are currently um, far from the Lord, or who are currently struggling to establish genuine faith. Um, okay, I'm, 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 I haven't planned. I didn't plan to be emotional, but this it is this. I just like feel such weight, um, even when I share about that. Um, t- prodigals, and and young people, your teens, your twins, your young adults, your adult children who are far from the Lord, who are not yet also struggling to establish their own genuine faith in God. So in November, we've decided to set apart um, every corporate prayer from 9 o'clock to 9.45. And I want to invite parents, grandparents, sisters, brothers, not just natural ones, but spiritual ones, Right? Mm. If you have someone like that in your life that you want to pray, I want to invite you to join us in November, 9 o'clock, for corporate prayer. We're, gonna, um, we're going to pray and declare God's words over their lives. We're going to proclaim that they, they walk in the destinies that God has for them. So, November. You know, if, all if you every, all Sunday. Of, every, every Sunday in November, if you can't come for everyone, that's okay. At least give us a good turn. Come together so that we can, as, as, as one, lift up prayers of faith for our children. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. For, this, is, this is my wife giving me a good turn, by the way. She actually didn't want to come up and share, but I was like, uh, I'm just going to end up talking about all kinds of concepts and it will be actually more helpful to have a real-world, behind-the-scenes um, conversation. Okay, so let's wrap it up in the last five minutes, right? There's a theological side to the whole piece that we're trying to do, okay? Um, 
what has all of this got to do with Proverbs 31 and wisdom? I was actually um, hoping to help with your marriage, your closest relationships, even take some time to explain why FGA does the, how did we get the culture that we have today even? Part of it is because we've been practicing trying to give really good turns, right? Um, I think understanding what a good turn looks like helps us to give God a good turn. It can actually go both ways. Proverbs 31 basically uses a marriage metaphor. Proverbs 31, you can't escape the fact that it's using a marriage metaphor. But it's more than just using a marriage metaphor. It's using a good marriage metaphor. It's trying to describe what a good marriage looks like. The husband trusts the wife and the wife does good to her. I have this amazing privilege of being married to an awesome wife. And so then when I read Proverbs 31 and it says the heart of the husband trusts her and she does him good all the days of her life, at some level I can relate to that. It helps me then understand God's wisdom and that God's wisdom is like that. That every time I give God a good turn and I trust Him, God does me good. And, and, and I get it. It's not the shallow version of good. It's not that I get promotions and parties all the time. But it is God's version of good that is actually good in the long run. Um, but it doesn't just have to be good marriages and, and, and reflecting God. It can actually work the other way. You can actually take Proverbs 31 and... If Alalon is broken in your life, if it's broken in your relationships, if something of that dynamic is broken, you actually don't have to rely on your partner or your children or your ministry head or your church to transform it. You can look to God for that template. That's why it's there. That's why it's written. God can be your Alalon partner and then start that cycle in you. You know how I said that things can bleed? Like the bad day that you have at work can bleed into your marriage? It bleeds the other way too. That your intimacy with God, your relationship with God, your doing of a good turn with God and seeing God do a good turn in you and transform you, it can then give you the reserves to sow the right things into your marriage, into your family, into your home group, into the life of your community, it can. But the good turn needs to begin somewhere. We have to understand that God first loved us, right? So just in case you're confused, if you decide today, oh, God, I'm going to give you a good turn, just remember, you're turn number two. There's no way you're turn number one. You were not there at the beginning of time. Your turn number two. Because God first loved us. And the kind of turn that he gave us was, I think, very good turn is probably an understatement of how good a turn God gave us. Because while we were yet sinners, he gave his life for us. So there's actually... It's an unbeatable turn. So God made the first move. He set that template. He set that, right? And he, he lifted the standard really high. So then if God loved us first and he gave us a good turn, and if he is by very, his very nature a good God, right, then what is stopping us 
from giving God a good turn. I've spent some time really thinking about it because sometimes I don't give God a good turn. I, I think about it all the time. I think it's my own brokenness and selfishness. It's my own. There's something off. It's the same brokenness that creeps into my marriage. So that even though my wife does amazing things, I say, ah, oh, it'd be good. It'd be nicer if she did it a little bit more often. Oh, it'd be, it'd be, I can think of five things that would be, could be improved. With the, it's, that, it's that thing that creeps in me. But there is, a, there, is a, there is an inseparable link between loving God well and loving others well. There's this dynamic, right? You cannot do one without the other. It's most easily seen in 1 John 4, 20, which says, like, you can't really say I love God and you, can't, you don't implement it in your, in your life. So that's why we all need to work. If we're going to be serious about our love relationship with God, if we're going to be serious about the commandments of bearing with one another, loving one another, forgiving one another, serving one another, honoring one another, if we're going to try and do that, we actually need to work on the one another part of it. That one another element of it. So as I finish, can I just speak really honestly? I'm going to land on a few practical tips from pastoral observation. Because Uncle Icy said to me at the staff meeting, oh yeah, the best part of your sermon is like when you give like practical tips. So I was like, okay, fine. But it's not the Bible. Okay, so it's fine. Okay, so let's wrap it up with this. Guys, I just talked to all the guys, husbands here just, just for a second. Or if you're not a husband, maybe one day you'll be. So just take notes and 20 years later, look at the notes. Okay, guys, there's a lot you don't understand about women and kids. You just assume there's a lot you don't understand, okay? And the information gap is actually very real. So then, you're actually not going to be able to give your wife or your children a good turn if you don't enter into their world. This means, and I, I know how the average guy does it. I'm going to give you a good turn. Let me tell you what a good turn looks like, and then I'll give it to you. That's like the worst. Instead, it means that you go in and you say, what does a good turn look like for you? And then you try to implement that to your best ability. And maybe it's long-winded. Maybe it's rambling. Maybe it's full of details. Maybe it takes a while to get to the actual answer, whatever the thing is fine. That's what that journey looks like. That is a good turn. Okay? Women. Uh, I chat mostly, I counsel guys. Mostly I counsel guys. Godly guys, especially the ones that I talk with at FGA, have never been better. They've never been better. I'm chatting now with young husbands and families. My goodness, they're helping out in the home. They're, 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 they're flexing their work to be with the family. They're more emotionally connected. They're, they're like, they are genuine. There is a group of men at FGA that are genuinely trying their absolute best. But sometimes they get met with, well, and actually... Pastor Chris does it better than you. And there's five other things you could do that's a little bit better. And uh, hey, maybe it's. And um, what's happening is these guys, they're really stepping it up from their parents, from the homes that they grew up in. They're like, you know what? 
I don't want to do that. I want to be more involved than my dad was. I want to be more. And so they're trying. They're trying as hard as they can to give a good turn. But I want to encourage the women. Similarly, as I gave that encouragement to the men, you actually need to dive into almost as weird as it is to go into like Disney or computer games or whatever it is. You need to dive in to actually what recharges your husband. What does a good turn for your husband look like? And I know it might be dangerous, but you need to say to your husband, what does a good turn look like for you? And how can we do that in our home? And again, I'm talking about just normative, normal families of which we have a lot of. Here's the kicker. All of us need to go. So that dynamic needs to happen with us and God as well. That dynamic needs to happen with us and God. All of us then need to then go, God, there's a lot I don't understand about you. Just like I can't understand women until today, right? God, there's also a lot I don't understand about you. You, your mysteries, the mysteries of your wisdom, the mystery of your mind. Your ways are higher than my ways. I, I don't understand God. So what does a good turn look like for you? What does a good turn look like for you, God? And so then you take the time to go, God, let me give you a good turn. So there's many ways you can take today's message. Many ways you can take today's message. Whether it is a challenge for you to give God a really good turn in your life. Whether it is you want to start changing the dynamic in your home so that over time it shifts the culture of your home. Yep. There's many, many ways. But I want to land with this. Yep. That we need to work on our one another's. In every part of our life. That is the image that is in the Proverbs 31, 11 to 12. It paints that picture of a really good loving of one another. That's the embodiment of wisdom. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, for the word that's gone out. And I pray, Lord God, that you would practically burst into our, our home lives. 